This is Andrew Schultz. I'm the sales manager for CHS Ag Services. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Randy Conan and Tyler Donaldson. March 15th is a big day for making sure program elections are taken care of and to get crop insurance coverage in place for the 2024 growing season. Farm management analyst Kent Tesey says producers still need to work with FSA despite an extended farm bill. Farmers need to enroll uh, in the 2024 farm program at their local FSA offices by March 15th and make their selections for all the crops that they have uh, for either the PLC uh, price only program or the ARC program. When you do need to enroll every year, and there's some misunderstanding there, some people think you ought to, because the farm bill was extended. Uh, it automatically carried over from last year, but you do have to re-enroll on an annual basis. Uh, the other uh, big deadline, March 15th, is that's the final date to uh, sign up for crop insurance uh, on all cro- uh, crops that are eligible for insurance. While prices are a lot lower this year, it's still important for, produ- for producers to protect against risk. When just because we have less coverage doesn't necessarily mean that's the time to cut your crop insurance because obviously crop insurance is a risk management tool and because uh, not only are our crop insurance prices lower, our projected prices for this fall for corn and soybeans are also considerably lower than they were a year ago. So kind of optimizing your crop insurance protection might be even more important than it was a year ago because... Uh, We had opportunities through forward pricing, either hedging or forward pricing, to lock in some pretty good prices for fall delivery at this time a year ago. Today holds the potential to set high temperature records for many across the listening area, but a big swing in temperatures and conditions is on the way. National Weather Service Grand Forks meteorologist Amanda Lee has more details. We do have a pretty strong cold front coming through the area tonight. And that will bring, obviously, uh, a big decrease in temperatures and then a little bit of wind and some snow possibly too. So um, tomorrow morning, especially tomorrow morning's commute, may not be so so easy as today um, with maybe some reduced visibility due to that snow. And some locations could see a decent amount of snow, but it should be a pretty small area. And then after that, with that cold front, tomorrow um, will be quite the temperature change that we've seen today. So... Um, highs in the single digits to maybe in the teens tomorrow for, for locations. Wind could impact travel tomorrow morning. Um, we could have some things, you know, gusting to 30, 35 miles an hour, um, and those maybe even a little higher, uh, especially in the Red River Valley area, in the, in the southern half especially. Um, and with that said, um, wherever the heaviest snow does happen to fall, um, you know, the wind could blow that around. We have the potential for maybe some blizzard conditions um, in some in some locations, depending where the, the heaviest snow falls. So something else to keep an eye on as we get closer to the morning commute tomorrow. Temperatures are expected to return to the 40s for most of the area later this week. After a warm start to the week, temperatures have dropped in Argentina's soybean growing regions, with the third week of February being the driest in over 30 years for Buenos Aires. Brazil experienced varying precipitations with Mato Grosso turning drier again and that aiding the soybean harvest, but soil moisture replenishment is needed before the dry season. Heat is forecasted to intensify in Mato Grosso and Mato Grosso de Sol at the end of February, while Argentina is expecting wetter weather to replenish soil moisture for further growth. 
Lowen & Associates market analyst Tyson Lowen says the grain trade is choppy to start this week. Pretty flat here in the corn market this morning, um, which I would say is better to see than completely continuing to fall out of bed uh, as we just repeatedly reached new contract lows in the corn market. Uh, soybeans last week took out some levels and hit new contract lows in some of the front months. Um, just really ugly trade here recently, and as I mentioned in the, in the past few weeks, uh, morale won't improve until we see some improvement in these markets. The livestock markets are pulling back, reacting to Friday's cattle on feed numbers. Livestock opened up quite a bit lower here this morning. Uh, could have been just a knee-jerk reaction to the cattle on feed report that came out Friday. Uh, some of those numbers came out just above average estimates, uh, which could have been cause for the knee-jerk reaction this morning. Uh, but overall, still big pictures friendly in the cattle market, uh, given that on-feed report. And then to add to it, we saw some very good improvement in the negotiated cash trade at the feedlot level uh, 183 for cash top in texas kansas and nebraska and 293 dressed up in nebraska so that was uh, about a three dollar improvement from the week prior there so pretty friendly there shares of american crystal sugar beet stock trending higher on low volume during the week ending february 23rd 62 shares selling at an average price of $5,776 a share. So far this trading season, 4,138 shares have traded at an average price of $5,285 per share with a high of $5,850 and a low of $5,000 per share. The transfer deadline for shares is March 14th. USDA's weekly export inspections report for the week ending February 22nd shows one and a quarter million metric tons of corn were inspected for export. That is 18% more than the previous week and 91% more than the same week last year. Soybean inspections of 975,000 tons are 25% less than the previous week, but 27% more than a year ago. Wheat inspections of 482,000 metric tons are 15% more than the previous week, but 26% less than last year. And for the marketing year, corn inspections are 35% ahead of last year's pace. Soybean inspections are 22% less, and wheat inspections are 18% less than a year ago. The North Dakota Department of Agriculture is now accepting applications for the Resilient Food Systems Infrastructure, or RFSI, program grants. RFSI program funds will support expanded capacity for the aggregation, processing, manufacturing, sorting, transporting, wholesaling, and distribution of locally and regionally produced food products. The North Dakota Department of Agriculture will distribute the funds through a competitive grant process. Application instructions and scoring criteria can be found on the North Dakota Department of Ag website. Deadline to apply is April 3rd. This is the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The House Agriculture and Finance Policy Committee in Minnesota discussed the escalating issue of nitrate pollution in groundwater spurred by the EPA's call for stricter measures. Despite three decades of voluntary farmer incentives to reduce fertilizer runoff, nitrate levels continue to rise, posing significant health risks. 
The introduction of the Minnesota Groundwater Protection Rule aims to enforce best practices, highlighting the debate between incentives and regulations in addressing this issue. The EPA has approved eight Midwest governor's petitions to approve year-round sales of E15, including Minnesota and South Dakota. An emergency waiver will be needed for this summer. Minnesota Corn Growers Association board member Richard Severson says allowing year-round use would bring some stability to corn markets for growers. For corn growers, that just means that our markets will be steady. Um, this uh, having to wait on a government decision uh, every year, our, our friends in the ethanol business have had to kind of try to adjust their production depending on what their anticipated demand might be or if they keep going wide open, um, maybe they uh, increase supplies enough to drive their prices down uh, too much. Let's just uh, let this market work. Minnesota Corn continues to promote putting infrastructure in place to make E15 available to motorists across the state. We at Minnesota Corn have been promoting uh, fuel stations to put in uh, the infrastructure and their state and federal dollars that are allocated to updating uh, fueling infrastructure. But what we find is everywhere we put it in, uh, people want this product. They want to buy a cheaper, cleaner alternative and, and let's get the government out of the way and, and let us, let us uh, grow the corn and have our, our friends in the ethanol business make that fuel and get it out to the consumers that, are, that really want it. This past fall season was nearly ideal for soil sampling. Ag Vice Soil Scientist John Brecker says a lot of work got done between August and December. I would say probably 90% of the sampling workload did get completed last fall, which is excellent because that gives producers plenty of time to put together their fall or their spring fertilizer plans for this next year. Um, but there's always a few fields that change hands. There's always um, a couple fields that move around the rotation, especially with how corn and soybean prices are right now. I expect there are going to be some more acres that people will need to sample this spring. And with the good weather right now, I think people could be hitting the field for spring soil sampling sooner than they realize. Nitrate analysis will be critical as farmers make their cropping plans. you got to remember, um, last year was still kind of a really dry drought year. And in the northern Red River Valley, moving north, especially towards Devil's Lake, Minot, and into Manitoba, very dry conditions, and I would expect that there's a lot of residual nitrate left in those areas. So if you're going to transition to corn and didn't get your samples collected last fall, I definitely would make sure that you got those sampled for nitrogen. As we see fertilizer prices start to go up again for spring, um, that information will be more important than ever. Soil samples indicating low populations of overwintering wheat midge larvae going into 2024. NDSU Extension entomologist Jan Canodal says only 10% of the 2,000 field samples were positive, and no, none of those samples had moderate or high cocoon densities. Canodal says scouting for wheat midge will be most important when moist weather occurs in late June or early July. Ethanol producer Poet has officially joined the American Carbon Alliance. Poet Senior Vice President for Corporate Affairs Joshua Shield says capturing CO2 and extracting value from that process will create new jobs, local investments, and sustained economic growth in rural America. American Carbon Alliance CEO Tom Bias says Poet's decision to join the ACA is a testament to Poet's commitment to America's farmers and rural communities. North Dakota-based nonprofit Farm Rescue is adding Wisconsin to its growing list of service states. Operations will begin with harvest assistance as early 
as of July 1 and expanding to planting, haying, commodity hauling, and livestock feeding beginning in 2025. The expansion is made possible by the generosity of its sponsors. Wisconsin becomes the ninth state farm rescue and its volunteer workforce will assist farm families that have experienced a major illness, injury, or natural disaster. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Growing issue for potato farmers in the Red River Valley is pesticide resistance of Colorado potato beetle. University of Minnesota entomologist Ian McRae warns that the resistance problem is worsening over the years and will continue to do so. They're large, they're easy to see. The unfortunate thing is is that they're not necessarily easy to treat, you know, sometimes. And that's what we're seeing now, especially down in central Minnesota. We've seen a number of insecticides that have been losing efficacy. We're starting to see that up here in the Red River Valley as well. Neonicotinoids don't provide the protection that they did 20 years ago. So these are the kinds of things that you kind of have to get used to when you're dealing with, with a, an insect that develops resistance so quickly and so readily. And rotating pesticides when detecting a drop in effectiveness is key to controlling the potato beetle. That's actually really important. If you know you're starting to see uh, an insecticide slip in efficacy, it allows you to start maybe changing what you're using and then rotating chemistries. And that actually is, is probably the number one thing you can do to lengthen the usability, you know, the, the time period over which an insecticide uh, is, is going to be active against that population. So if you start using an insecticide, uh, you know, if you sprayed with one insecticide of, of a particular mode of action, like say neonicotinoids, don't go back to those if you have later problems in the year. Change your mode of action, rotate the mode of action group, and that's actually the number of the action group is actually on the label. Taking a look at markets before we leave you, Minneapolis May wheat six and a quarter higher at 653. September five and three quarters higher at 666 and a quarter. Chicago wheat six and a quarter higher at 575 and a quarter. Kansas City at nine and three quarter cents higher at 575 and a quarter. May corn futures eight higher at 421 and a half. July corn seven and three quarters higher at 433 and three quarters. Soybeans May contracts three and three quarter cents higher at 1145 and a half. November soybeans just a quarter penny higher at 1130 and a half. Soybean meal, 40 cents a ton higher at 328.40. Canola in Winnipeg, $10 a metric ton higher at 588.20 Canadian. Live cattle, April futures, 45 cents higher at 188.32. June live cattle, 27 cents higher at 184.15. Feeder cattle, March futures, $1.42 lower at 253.15. April lean hogs down 75 cents. This is the Red River Farm Network.